Happy New Year. It, it, you know, I can't remember too many Sundays, New Year's Day. Sunday, I don't know why, I just can't remember them. Um, Steve's laughing. No, it wasn't because I'd been drinking or anything. That's not, no, that's not why. I just can't remember them. I, I just don't remember New Year's Day. That's how we start the new year at church. I, that's a good way. Just like last week we said Christmas, we are going to... Worship on Christmas Day, because that's the reason for the season. And in the same way, we start a new year, and it's like, what better way to start than here? With each other, with worship. Maybe some of you last night, you know, maybe you watched the ball drop. Maybe you sang songs. Maybe you went to bed an hour before it ever happens. <laughs> like, it's just another night, you know. So flip the calendar tomorrow, right? And maybe some of you um, spent time praying. I don't know. But today, a new day, new year, let's make sure we start this year off right and worshiping God, the one who has given us new life, the one who challenges right where we're at in our life and says, I'm going to meet you where you're at right now and help you right now. You know, on occasion, um, we've been blessed to vacation at a friend's house at Ocean Isle Beach in South Carolina. And when we have the opportunity to go, it's, it's a fun thing. It's a great getaway. Uh, but a unique thing about that beach and a lot, a lot of other beaches along the coast there is that some of the areas are marked off with fences and signs that tell you about sea turtle eggs. And they give you a heads up like there are sea turtle eggs here. Be aware of this and don't go messing around in, in this part and sort of marked off that area. So I read that female... Sea turtles, they, they swim to shore between the months of May and August. They dig their nest in the sand, and then they lay their eggs. And then months later, the, the eggs hatch, and these baby turtles, they follow the light of the moon to the surf. Didn't know that. So, you know, and in this perfect world, right, the light of the moon guides every turtle safely back to the ocean. That'd be a great little children's book, right? However, as we know, we don't live in a perfect world, do we? It's not that way. So I went on to read that sea turtle hatchlings, they instinctively, what they do is they crawl towards the brightest light. So and obviously on an undeveloped beach with no sky rises, condominiums and restaurants, all that kind of stuff around, the brightest light is going to be the moon, which draws them back to the ocean. However, on a developed beach, the brightest light is probably an artificial light. It's probably a restaurant. It's a, it's a condominium. It's probably some other part of that developed beach. And unfortunately, those powerful artificial sources of light now cause those hatchlings, those baby sea turtles, to move in the wrong direction after they're born. Think about that. So what happens is the sea turtles may follow the wrong light, and that wrong light takes them to a point of death. And instead of following the the light of the moon to the ocean, the sea turtles follow that wrong light to a disastrous outcome. So I thought about this and thinking, as humans, don't we have that similar challenge? I mean, rather than following the path we were meant to follow, unfortunately, we're too often distracted by other things that take us in the wrong direction. Think about that. An artificial light from whether it be pleasure or technology or online gaming to too much time on social media to bad habits to addictions to stress to busyness. These meaningless distractions easily lead us astray. And all of a sudden, instead of following the true light, the one light, we're off in the wrong direction, leading us to a disastrous outcome. 
You know, I, I just thought about earlier uh, hearing this in the last couple of days this past week, and I just wrote this in my notes, and I learned last week not to read things that I write in my notes. Can I tell you how many text messages I got about Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and Sweet Baby Jesus, and that it's not Swing Low, Sweet Baby Jesus? Thank you all for your text messages. Some of you sent video clips to me of the right song. I've, I've been educated. Thank you. I'm going to go with this one, though, okay? But I was watching recently a lot of the NCAA, their football bowl games. Some of you that weren't here last week, you just have to understand, I just totally messed up, and it was fun. Anyway, the NCAA football bowl games have been going, and some of the players with high draft status, those that are, they, they're going to make it to the NFL next year. They probably will go first round. Some of them have been choosing to not play in their final game of the season because, well, they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to affect their draft status. If they get hurt, it could cost them millions and millions of dollars. And I've never seen that before, like this year when I've heard about it. And it's like, why wouldn't you play? And all of a sudden, but here's the thing. There's a phrase in the NFL. It's called this. Play for yourself. It's all about you. Play for yourself. Because after a couple of years, you may not be playing anymore. So play now. Play for yourself so you can get the money. And it's trickled down now into this collegiate level where it's, man, it's all about me. I don't want to get hurt. So, sorry, team. I'm not going to play for you. I'm going to play for me, and I'm going to choose not to play. And I thought about that, and I was thinking, that thought process is following what kind of life, what kind of choice is that? It's a, to me, it's a selfish choice. It's a prideful choice. That's just me. It's my opinion, Okay. But I look at it as instead of following the right light to the right direction, to the right choice, it's following my own way, which can lead me down a different path. And I thought about this. 2 Corinthians 4 says this. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, which is the exact likeness of God. See, we, we've been given a true light to follow. And without that true light, we follow what we think is for myself, play for myself, live for myself, choose for myself how I want to live, whatever feels good for me instead of following the true light source. Why do we do that? Because Satan, who's the God of this world, okay, he's blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They don't understand. They don't see the glorious light of the good news. They don't see Jesus Christ. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ. Jesus is the true light. John eight twelve. Jesus said this. He is speaking to the people once more. And he said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. You'll have light that leads to life. Just like those sea turtles. You'll have a light that leads to life. But you better follow the right light. But Satan, the God of this world, has blinded us, right? Those who don't believe, they're following the wrong light. They're following themselves. They're following all these other distractions. Later in John 9, Jesus claimed, But while I'm here in the world, I'm the light of the world. We're told in Scripture that the true light is Jesus Christ. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Are we following the pure, righteous light, Jesus Christ? Is he the one we follow to the right destination? Or are we following some kind of artificial distraction that leads us in the wrong direction? Now, this seems like such an elementary sermon, right? But if we get this wrong, 
our next steps in life are going to be a struggle. See, the great news is like those, unlike sea turtles, we have the ability to think. We have the ability to adapt and change direction when we realize we're following the wrong path. Consider 2016. How many times did we end up in places we did not want to be? Choices we made that we did not really want to make. And we ask ourselves, how did I end up there? Why did I do that? Well, let me ask you, which light were you following? We had some joyous moments as well as times of mourning, right? We've been blessed and maybe other times we found ourselves in need. Some things are just out of our hands, right? Sickness, tragedy, even the weather. We can't control those things, right? But God gives us the ability to choose how we respond to those circumstances. When those things come, when those things happen, and it's uncontrollable, God gives us the ability to control how we respond to those situations. He gives us the ability to make resolutions on how we're going to live and how we're going to choose our next step. The question is, when we have the choice, are we walking in that direction of Jesus, who is the light of the world? So do this with me, okay? Grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we'll get you one, okay? Grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, the first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to go to verse 10. I may have put 11 up there, that's all right. See, we're moving out of Christmas, right? That was last Sunday, and you know, and I, I, I want to visit, though, the Christmas story one more time, okay? Because I want to focus on the last part of the Christmas story. Because you know, at the end of the story, there is that, that famous, and they lived happily ever after, right? Or the hero came, or he saved the day, or it's just maybe the end. Unless you're in a trilogy, then there's another part coming, right? But this is the end of the Christmas story right here. This is it. Okay? And the ending here, we need to make sure we don't miss it. So let's read. We'll pick it up in verse 10. This is about the wise men. They saw the star. They are filled with joy. Okay? Verse 11. They entered the house. And they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened the treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yeah, remember we, Christmas story, right? Look at verse 12. But when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Because we knew what? Herod wanted to kill baby Jesus. He wanted to annihilate him, get rid of any kind of threat. He told the wise men, hey, when you find this baby, come back and tell us, right? God warned them in a dream, don't go back. But I want you to look at that verse again. When it's time to leave, they return to their own country by another route. They saw baby Jesus. They worshiped. They, they opened up their treasure chest. What do you keep in your treasure chest? Your most valuables, right? They took their most valuable and they gave it to Jesus. They worshiped him. They gave him everything. And when they were done worshiping, they returned by another route. They returned by another route. I want you, I want that to soak in for a little bit, okay? Matter of fact, look at your neighbor, look at the person next to you, and say, get a new way. And somebody's like, what is that all about? Get a new way. Get a new, okay, look at the other person, because you already said to one person, look at another person, tell them, get another way. No, not get away. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Get another way. Get another. Choose another. Why are we saying that? Because it's a new year, right? Hey, it's a new year. I'm going to make some New Year's resolutions. I'm going to change the way I've been living. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to read more. I'm going to, you know, drive slower. And you know that it's all, that's not going to happen, right? It's probably not, except for the person who's driving in front of me and that it was a 35 mile per zone and you're going 25, pick it up, Okay. We have all these thoughts about what we want to change. It's a new way. It's a new year, right? What I love about this story is the wise men, they had the encounter with Jesus. And it says that when they, they went home another way, another route. You know what? After you meet Jesus, everything changes. I'm sorry, but if you come in and you worship, and you walk out the same way you came in, then something's up in that worship. And it's, I believe it's our responsibility when we come to Jesus to let Him do a work in us so that when we leave, He's done something in us so that we can go do something different so we are different because we're growing. We're worshiping. We're drawing near to Him. And their encounter with Jesus was not fully what they expected. I want you to think about this. When they first came seeking the Messiah, they thought they had this maybe a political king and a mighty kingdom ruler. They ended up in Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where kings are born. And they were speaking to Herod because he was a king. Let's go to where a king would be born. A political ruler, right? But they discovered that the king of kings wouldn't appear as a political leader. Or then maybe Jesus was going to be a religious leader. But then he went to these other religious leaders and he discovered that these religious leaders, who also knew about the prophecy, weren't even going. It's just a few miles away. Why aren't they going to see Jesus? Hmm. political, religious, not so much would this king of kings be. Their expectations were not fulfilled. Maybe on their first travel they thought, this is what we're going to see, this is who we're going to meet. But then they discovered that once they got there, you know what? No, this isn't what we were expecting. And we're no different, seeking answers and hope in the things of this world. We're just like the wise men. We wake up, we set goals, we have dreams, we pursue things, expectations, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship. We seek success, we seek power. We're seeking answers in the wisdom of others. Oh, good luck. Oh, that's karma. They get what they deserve. They're the philosophies of the trending messengers. And like the wise men, maybe these things will change our good to bad, and they'll change our depression to joy and, and our neediness to fortune. And then this world will be just fine, right? We go chasing after all those things because that's our expectations. But what we discover when we come to Christ is that's not true. Chasing after the world doesn't do all that. None of those things fill the emptiness in our lives, do they? I don't care how much power you have. Whatever title you have, has that brought you complete peace and joy and hope? Probably not. How about money? I'll tell you right now, as soon as you think you have enough money, you'll always want more. And you'll want more. And if you're a professional athlete and you've got a contract for $20 million, it's not good enough. I need 22 When is enough enough? Oh, I've got the perfect relationship to what? The first fight. And then it's not such a perfect relationship anymore, is it? Success, your success is soon going to be replaced by the person behind you chasing after you. We're still 
asking questions, aren't we? The questions people ask thousands of years ago. There's times people come to my office or call me up and they have a question and they're like, and it might have been you, and you're like, I feel like I'm the only one that's ever asked this question. And I almost chuckle, not like laughing at you, but like it's the same question people have been asking for thousands of years. We're still asking the same questions in life about why things happen, this and that. See, here's the deal. Life isn't always what we hope for. It's not always what we expected. Like the wise men, this is not what I expected. But once we discover Jesus, once we discover his grace, his mercy, his peace, his forgiveness, it's now our choice to accept him. Romans 10, 9 says what? If we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, we're saved. That's on us. If we confess. Not if God confesses. Not if the person next to you or my grandma, she confessed for me. No, no, no. If you. It's, it's, it's your responsibility. And once we confess we're sinners, we realize that, you know, I'm a sinner. I messed up. Then we got to confess what? That we need somebody to save us. Who's going to save me? Jesus. And once we confess that Jesus is the only one who can save us, we ask him to come into our life and be the Lord of our lives. And to help us live for eternity. That's our calling to walk in a new way. To return another route. Once we ask Christ to come into our life, it's time to change the life we've been living and go another route. Grab your Bibles. Now and turn to Isaiah. Go back to Old Testament. Halfway into the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30, we'll start in verse 18. Coming into the middle of a passage can always be dangerous. But as we read this passage, I'm talking about the rebellious children being the people of Judah. They'd rebelled against God. and There's a lot going on in this passage. We get to verse 18. And it says, The Lord must wait for you to come to Him so He can show you His love and compassion. For the Lord's a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He'll be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. Though the Lord, listen to verse 20. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he will still be with you to teach you. Did you hear that? Because a lot of times we go, why am I suffering? Why is there pain in my life? And the prophet says, though the Lord gave you adversity for food, and he gave you suffering to drink, he will still be with you to teach you. You might not like what's on your plate right now. You might not like what was served at your table of life. But God says, I'm here with you, and I'm going to teach you through this. It goes on to say, you'll see your teacher with your own eyes. Look at verse 21. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go whether it's to the right or whether it's to the left. Then you'll destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images, and you'll throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, good riddance. All those things we chased after, the gold, the silver, the power, the success, the things that we said, this is the way I should go, you're going to hear God talking to you from behind, whispering in your ear, this is the way to go, to your left, to your right. And you realize the way to go, the route to take, the new way to live is that with Jesus Christ, my Savior, guiding the way. And all these things I was chasing after, good riddance. Don't eat them. Don't eat them. 
One author said this, when Judah was prosperous and comfortable, they wouldn't listen to God. Do you ever think about that? When things are going really good in your life, how well of a listener are you to God? When everything's rosy and good, oh, that bonus came in, or that, that, that new relationship is just wonderful. How close are you to God in those moments? Judah was prosperous. They were comfortable, so they wouldn't listen to God. They don't need God. Everything's going good. Now God's given them the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. They can hear God and be guided by Him again. It's always better to be uncomfortable and in tune with the Lord than to be comfortable and out of step with God. Let me read that again from this author. It's always better to be uncomfortable and in tune with the Lord than to be comfortable and out of step with God. I like that. See, we're all like wanderers. Now, there's a TV show that's pretty popular. It's, I don't know how many seasons it's been on. It's called The Walking Dead. And some of you are like, The Walking what? And some of you are like, oh yeah, The Walking Dead, okay? But here's the thing about this, this show, The Walking Dead. There are these zombies that are infected and they're just walking around aimlessly and they're attracted by noise. They, they choose their direction. When they hear something going off, they, they choose their direction and they move that, that way. We're no different. We're walking dead in our sin. And whatever's flashy, we move that direction. Whatever catches our attention, we go that way. This diet plan, that workout plan, this job, that style, this style. You know, there's a definite way in which we should go, and there's a definite way in which we should live. live. And there's obviously, though, so many choices. So how do we know, right? Which direction do we go? Usually it's the bells and the whistles that make the loudest noise and the shiniest thing that catch our attention that pull us and attract us that way. And I don't know if you notice this, but... Every season, there's a new trend. There's a new popular way. There's a new singer. There's a new popular. So there's a new way to dress. What you're wearing today, that's out of style. I'm sorry. So I figured, out, I figured this out. Why even try to be in style anymore? Because I'm going to be out of style. And some of you people are like, yeah, Rex, you've never been in style. See, that's what I'm saying, right? I can't figure it out. I mean, I always thought that's really cool. And then I think, that's cool. That's not cool. And then somebody says, hey, it's not cool to say cool. So I don't say cool? No, you don't say cool. Oh, that's too bad. No, bad is good. Wait, bad is good? Bad is cool to say, right? No, you can't say cool or bad in that way. I give up. So I just say things that don't make sense anymore. And some of you are like, I get you, right? God says this. I have a definite way in which you go. Because you can't figure it out. You You people are always changing. This is trendy, this is not. As a matter of fact, now you can just go online. What's trending now? Because I want to be in the now, right? You know, it's like chasing your tail. You just keep going around and around, right? It gets very dizzy after a while. What did he say? Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go. This is the way you should go, whether to the right or the left. Let's do this. Let's go back in uh, Scripture a little bit further to the book of Deuteronomy. Okay? Oh, we, yeah, isn't that great? We started in, like, the birth of Jesus. Now we're going backwards. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Why here? As I've been reading through Deuteronomy, I came across this passage a while back. Moses is preparing God's chosen people to move from one lifestyle to a new. You see, they were in Egypt. They were slaves, right? And they were slaves to sin, just as we're slaves to sin as well. It wasn't just about the being chained and making bricks, building buildings. 
God said, I'm freeing you. I'm rescuing you. You're going to go to a promised land, a new life, freedom. But here's the thing. If you're going to go to a new life, you need to know how to live it. Church, if you have asked Christ to come into your life to forgive you of your sins, we need to live a new life. But how do we live it? Well, look what Moses relays on from God to the people. Look at starting verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Wouldn't that be great if we say, God, what do you want me to do today? Just put it right here in front of me. Give me that list, right? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God. Live in a way that pleases Him. Love Him. Serve Him with all your heart and soul. You must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Look, the highest heavens and the earth, everything in it, all belong to the Lord your God. Yet, the Lord chose your ancestors as the object of His love. He chose you, their descendants, above all their nations, as is evident today. Therefore, change your hearts. Stop being stubborn. For the Lord your God is the God of the gods and the Lord of the lords. He's a great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God. Worship Him. Cling to Him. Your oaths must be in the name of His name alone. He alone is your God. And the only one who is worthy of your praise. The one who's done these mighty miracles that you've seen with your own eyes. You know, a lot of times we ask the question, we say, Well, what does God expect of me? How should I live? I I prayed that prayer. I asked Jesus into my life. How am I supposed to live? Look at verse 12. He summed it up in two verses. And now Israel, what does the Lord require of you? Yes, I want to know. What does He require of me? That you fear the Lord your God. That's the first one. Second one, that you live in a way that pleases Him. Third one, love Him. Fourth one, serve Him with all your heart and soul. Fifth one, and always obey the commands and decrees that I'm giving you. You know, we really complicate faith with a lot of man-made rules and regulations, don't we? And requirements. We've got all these check books or check marks and these boxes and we've got to check off and a list and do this and do that. And it's like, okay, I did this. Okay, I'm, I mean, all my requirements to be a good Christian. And it can get really complicated, right? God made it simple for the people. Hey, you're leaving Egypt. You had all these things. You had all these gods. There's only one God. And this is what I'm asking you to do. And he gives them five simple things. First of all, fear me. Fear God. It's a reverential fear that honors God. It's not a fear that makes us sort of shrink back and be scared of God. It's a fear that says, you know what? I want to honor God in in a way that I don't want to offend Him. If I know this is going to offend God, I I should be very hesitant towards doing it because I have such reverence to God. Then it says, live in a way that pleases Him. Walk in His way. See, God requires us to live our lives after the pattern He set for us. It's His road, not our road. It's His path, not our path. What's the third one? Love Him. We try to put that one right out there where everybody can see it, right? God requires us to love Him. That means the love He expects from us is a love that isn't just, just happens. 
It's a love that comes from a decision to put our affection upon Him. So you don't fall in and out of love. People say, well, I fell out of love. No, you chose to walk away from it. You don't fall out of love. Love is a choice. You love somebody or you don't. So we've got to choose to love God. We've got to make that effort. Why are we having a marriage retreat? Because we know marriage is tough. It's not like the Hallmark Channel that everything ends in roses. Everybody always gets together. Oh, I love the Hallmark Channel. It's always good innings, right? Life isn't like that. I think that's a good escape for a lot of us. We watch it because like, oh, it's such a breath of fresh air because we don't see that around us all the time. Truth is, it's not like that. So why have a marriage retreat? To help couples. You know what? Let's build on our relationship. Let's continue to choose to love one another. So we have a retreat, right? Help us get better at that. God says, I want you to love me too. I want you to choose to place your affection upon me. Here's the fourth one. Serve the Lord with all the God. Serve the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. God requires us to serve him. That's why we ask you as a church, where would you like to serve in his church? How can you be the church? Setup team. Thank you so much. Every Sunday, setting up chairs. We got four different teams. They rotate through. You know, some of the last couple teams are like, we're done. After this month, we're done. Some, yeah, Lindsay's like, yoo Because we're hoping and praying in February, we're going to be in a new building, right? Okay? The thing is, though, what, wait, what do all those guys that help with the setup team, what are they going to do next, right? There's always ways to serve. Whether it's in the nursery, children's department, whether it's, you know, even just going out and doing landscaping in the building or whatever it may be, there's different things you can do to serve the church. And as you serve the church, you're serving God. Keep the commandments of the Lord. God requires us to not only know the word, but keep the word. When you consider who God is, you think about this. Moses is relaying all this on to a couple million people. And you think about this, he goes, as he considers who God is, doesn't it make it easier to follow these commands? Look at verse 14. Look, the highest heavens and earth, everything in it, belongs to the Lord your God. Do you ever walk into a room and you see something like, who's, who's this belong to? Who's, who's this belong to? Pick it up. Okay, as a parent, we do that a lot in our house. Okay, right? If it belongs to you, will you please take care of it? Okay. Do you think you ever walk into a room with God? All right, who does this belong? Oh, it belongs to you, God? God's like, yeah, it, everything belongs to me. The, the ocean you swim in belongs to me. The land you're walking on, that belongs to me. Oh, the air you're breathing right now, that belongs to me. Have you thanked me for it today? Because I gave it to you to enjoy. I gave it to you for life. It sort of puts us into a humble position, doesn't it? Verse 15, Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the objects of his love. He chose you, their descendants, above all nations, as is evident today. God said, you're my special possession. Though heaven and earth belong to God, he set his focus and his attention on Israel, beginning with their fathers and being chosen, having that special attention of God focused upon you now is a great privilege, a place of great responsibility. Israel had the choice to obey or not obey. We have the choice to obey or not obey. We have a responsibility in how we live. 
there was even these religious leaders. They were, they were really good at Deuteronomy. They had all these books memorized, these religious leaders, right? And they even came to Jesus and said, Jesus, all these commands. Moses gave some good ones, okay? All those commands. matter of fact, there was five in Deuteronomy that we can read about. Which is the greatest command? What did Jesus say? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the most important one. How are we doing with that one? Oh, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. He summed it up in sort of bringing that all together, right? Jesus went on to say in John 14, 6, he said this, listen, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. You see, what Jesus wanted to know is there's a definite way in which we should live. There's a path we should follow. If you're lost in the woods, guess what? There's a dozen paths to take you somewhere, right? But there's only one that will take you back to the campfire where your tent is and where your friends are, where your family are, right? There's only one. It's the same spiritually. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things you can choose to do with your life with, when it comes to faith. A lot of paths you can take. A lot of religions out there, but there's only one that takes you into the presence of God. Only one. His way is the only way. It's a perfect way. Is it easy? Of course not. But it's God's way. Let me read to you from Psalm 18. You don't have to turn there. Psalm 18, verses 30 to 32. It says this, God's way is perfect. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who is God but our solid rock? God arms me with strength and he makes my way perfect. Did you hear that? See, it starts off with God's ways are perfect. And if I walk in the way of God, my way is perfect because I'm walking with God. Our way is filled with trouble. Our pride, our desires, these things trip us up when we choose them. They lead us down a path away from God. It's like those sea turtles, going back to what I've started with. You choose the wrong light, you'll go the wrong direction. So let's take a lesson from the turtles, but let's take a better lesson from the wise men. The first thing they did was what? Seek Jesus. They found Jesus. Then what? They had a misconception about maybe who Jesus was, but that was all cleared up once they arrived. And there was so much to discourage them. They went a great distance. They had a little bit of ignorance going on there. It may be the disinterest of those who should have been pointing others to the world's Savior, but they knew this was the Savior. They knew this was the way of life. So they kept on until they saw Him. And when they found Him, there was joy. And having found Him, they worshipped Him. And having worshipped Him, they realized, I'm supposed to go another route. Church, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you discover the Savior of the world, you worship Him, you're never the same. I hope when you come in on Sunday morning, we get done singing. There's times I come up here to preach, and I can see in your eyes, some of you, some of you are wiping them. You're not the same when you first came in. Because you've been worshiping. You've been worshiping. And when you seek salvation from sin, when we try to be rescued from our mistakes that we make, when you find someone who loves you and forgives you, when you find the Savior of this world and you worship Him, you are never the same. You don't go back to living the same way. You don't go back to the same group of friends that drag you down. You don't go back to the sins that pollute your soul and steal your joy. You don't go back the same way. You return another route. So church, like the wise men who followed the star, 
to discover the light of the world, they were changed just as we are. And when they finished their visit to Jesus, they went another route. They took another way. We too, who have searched for a savior of the world, a lover of our souls, we must never go back to the things of this world. What route are you taking, church? I hope we're taking another route. It's a new year. It's 2017. Let's take another route. Let's take another route. Let's never be the same in how we worship. Let's never be the same in what we did yesterday. We're new in Christ. And new in Christ means we follow Him. We follow the true light. The one light. That's a message we get to share with others. I hope and pray we do that. Would you please stand with me? Worship team, come forward. I'm not going to press upon you. Okay, church, this is what you need to do now. Okay, you need to open up your Bible more. You need to pray more. You need to read more. You need to do this or that. There's no requirements like that that I'm putting upon you. As we sing this last song, I'm going to ask you just one thing. I'm going to ask you to pray. God, I'm worshiping you. You're the true God. Now, how do I go a different route in my life? If you're not happy with where you are right now, it's your choice to choose the right way. Ask him, what am I supposed to be doing? You're not going to hear the answers from man. You're going to hear from God. So as we sing, if you need to, pray to him. Ask him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this new day. I thank you for this new year. We get refocused. We say, God, I'm going to do new things in my life. I'm, I'm going to eat better and work out more and read more and I want to share my faith more. We have all these things. But it becomes this huge checklist and when we stop doing them, then we feel guilty, then we just stop altogether. But God, we know this, your word is never ending. Your truth is never ending. Your ways are the right way. God, we want to make the right choices. We want to go in the right direction and we don't want to get discouraged and quit. So God, what is it that you're asking of us today? We know we're supposed to love you. We know we should serve you. We know that. We know we should love others. But God, right now, I'm just, I just ask you, Lord, just to speak to this church, to each one individual, each heart. Speak to each person in this room. Lay upon their heart what we're supposed to do. That voice behind us, that voice inside us that says to the left, to the right. Lord, help us to know which direction to go in a way that honors you. We want to follow you, the true light. We love you, Lord. In that precious name we pray. Amen.